great luxury, luxury products, especially perfumes, are very much like works of art. Each of them encapsulate the very hard work and probably the soul and talent of the people that have made them. There is this energy that comes from honesty that people are extremely sensitive to. This is the safari. The safari is a tour around the consumer, brand, and retailing industry. And we have the great privilege here at my company, Traub, to really be exposed to many of the great minds of the industry who are forming and shaping the future of many different parts of the consumer brand and retail world. And I felt it was quite interesting for us to be able to not only learn from all of those people as we do every day, but uh, memorialize it into a podcast which could then be shared with many of our friends and clients and, and you, obviously, the listener. Welcome back to The Safari. It is June 2021, and it is my great pleasure to have the fragrance edition today with my friend Frédéric Mal, who is the founder and head of Les Editions de Parfum, Frédéric Mal, who is one of the great experts in fragrance, I think probably, period, anywhere. Uh, and I, I really love the fact that he agreed to come onto the safari because he has this ability to articulate the romance and the artistry of fragrance making, as well as being, quite frankly, one of the great entrepreneurs in the space. So he is, once again, a left and right brain person who uh, really respects and adores both sides of the house. And um, it's really uh, someone to listen to because he has a vision for his business. He, it was clear from day one, and he was able to do many things that are very fashionable today, 21 years ago, when he founded his company. So stick around. Frederick, thank you so much for joining me on the safari. It's a real pleasure to have you here. I'm thrilled to be with with you, Morty. And, and you are jo you're, you're joining us here uh, as it is at this recording. We are in June 2021, and we are at the hopefully, uh, hopefully, the tail end of our pandemic. And you're, I'm, I, I think you are between the city and and out of town. And uh, are you seeing your life starting to get back to normal, or are you just very happily happily conducting business remotely? I mean, you know what? I've, I hate to say it because there have been so much sufferance, um, but I've been very happily conducting my business from Long Island. And you probably w work much more hours. You get those, this amazingly efficient day. Yeah. There's less serendipity, but it's quite serene and nice, I must say. You see people quite well on a screen strangely enough yes i was just on a on a on a call with a youtuber and with four or five other people and the youtuber was beautifully lit it was completely you know incredible looking screen and everyone else was sort of in shadow or sort of the screen was upside down and you, you don't worry you look very well lit i can see you very well there even though this is this is a radio show in a way right we both have faces for radio so let's get right into this because i i have so many questions and yeah, for i was told many times that i have a face for radio <laughs> well i mean yeah. i'm designed for radio well you're crazy anyway so listen um 
this is quite a lovely thing for me to do because on three levels, you know, one, we are friends. I've known each other, we've known yes. each other for a very long time. Secondly, I have always followed and I'm a huge fan of the fragrance industry and or just just fragrance. I love I love fragrances, always have, and I'm, as you know, a, an avid follower and user of your products. And, and thirdly, I think you are an entrepreneur. This 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 show has always been about the left and the right brain. And I think the idea of you coming on here to talk about how you built your business in a very competitive field and did something very avant-garde. You you really let the experts, the people who could have been behind the scenes. Who were hidden in the Who were hidden. You put them right out in front and you took a, almost a backseat, if not entirely a backseat, into their, letting them build the oeuvre, the, 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 the masterpieces that they'd always dreamed of, but others had told them, nope, that's not going to sell. But Frédéric Mal, Les Editions Frédéric Mal said, no, 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 we want your masterpieces and we're going to trot them out for you. So talk, talk to us, therefore, uh, given that it's such a passion of mine to hear you speak about this, Talk about the beginnings of your company, uh, but also through the lens of your history. Your your career before then was very much um, both in your upbringing, in your family background, uh, but also uh, obviously your the, the the precedence to your actual namesake company was always around the luxury goods as well as fragrance industries. Mespa, my God, what a big program! It's like a whoa, it's like a jump in the the void. Um, well, first of all, I mean, I, when people say, I mean, here that I was brought up in this business, yes, my mother was in this industry. Uh, my grandfather uh, had worked with Coty, who was literally the inventor of modern perfumery um, in every sense of the way. I mean, from advertising, from bottling properly, um, and making specific bottles for specific products. Um, he invented also every single type of perfumes. So my grandfather was his uh, his businessman, really, uh, for years. And I think that was no better way to learn the trade. Um, and then eventually he started his own business. And part of that was helping a friend, his childhood friend, who was called Christian Dior, and therefore becoming the founder of Parfum Christian Dior, where my mother worked all her life. I mean, my mother is a bit like a Chelsea Gardner in uh, being there. She started there at 18 mm -hmm. and she went till retirement. I think she worked there for 48 years. She didn't know anything else than Dior. Um, but as a result, she was so devoted uh, to Dior. I mean, she talked about it. It was very much a big part of her life. So it's not that she told me the difference between patchouli and jasmine. I mean, this, I mean, I, I didn't learn like some people that came from that trade, um, perfumery, but I learned to take it seriously. I learned that it was existing. And this eventually led me to start my own company. So I had been minding my own business, working in advertising first and then working in, in the lab. And then I was a, a consultant for various brands, working with Christian Lacroix. I had started something with Mark Burley. Um, I had been consultant for Hermes uh, International. I, it, it, I was, you know, I was doing my own thing, and then I realized that the industry was had taken a turn towards mass market, and that distribution really defined it. And when distribution shifted towards self service, 
namely Mariano, Sephora, Douglas, this kind of structure. The industry had to adapt to not working with advisors. And as a result, perfumes, I mean, the, the perfumer's job uh, changed drastically. They went from making perfumes that were like logos that had, were, that had to be very creative, that could be recognized instantly, that had this amazing trail. I mean, I remember women going down Madison Avenue, which is sort of, you know, half a block behind them of perfume. Uh, sort of state, making a statement to making a crowd pleaser, to making a perfume that, you know, one size fit all type of thing, um, which is basically what you f- can find in supermarkets that are organized like self-service perfumeries or in reverse. Mm-hmm. I mean, self-service perfumeries are organized like supermarkets. Mm. And so the, tr- the trade changed quite a lot. Perfumers were quite frustrated I was frustrated, bored to be more precise. And and people around me in my civil life, in my private life, were not wearing, were working away from perfume. Um, they were not wearing perfume anymore. I realized that that, you know, I went from being an interesting guy through my job to being irrelevant somehow, which was a sign. And so, because, you know, I, I learned to love this business and to take it very seriously, not to cut corner, to be creative, to do all that. And, and I was seeing all my sort of principle sort of fading away or, or, or I was completely inadapted to this. I, and because I, I was hearing perfumers complain, complaining, I thought, you know, that there had to be, you know, another path mm-hmm. that we could stick to our moral compass, still stick to our guns, make interesting modern perfumery and be successful. So basically the market went left and went right. Yes. So there was zero, I mean, I had one competitor, which was Serge Lutens, um, which I've always admired and who was making luxury perfumes. So, so just to interrupt for a second, would you say that... At a moment in time, the industry decided, if you were to envision a bell curve, right, yeah. that the industry decided that it would chase the center of the bell curve, which is to say, let's create fragrances that will attract the, the largest number of people based on some kind of research that they did versus chasing more unique elements and more intricate um, scents and combinations that might not sell as many to as many people, but ultimately would be along the bell curve versus at the center of the bell curve. And they stuck to the center and you went down the tail, potentially? Precisely. But one has to, I mean, out of experience, if you look at all the great classics, all of them are specific, whether it's Chenimard, Eurissimo, Obsession, Chanel Number no. 5, they're all very, very specific perfumes. They are not shooting in the middle. And and so perfume is so personal that if you want to make a classic, you have to take a risk. And there is almost this reward for risk, uh, which is almost proportional to the risk that you take, Mm. funnily enough. And when you try to aim at the middle of the target, which the market was doing then, if you are successful, you can you can only support the, the success becomes sustainable only if it's 
really supported by advertising and a lot yeah. of money. Yeah. And so it's also, it's like artificial, you, you, you know, um, artificial um, agriculture. It takes a lot of chemicals to, to make it work. Yeah. And I, and great perfumes. I mean, if you, if you take a risk and if you make a very specific perfume, you can hit a home run, which we have, you know, you know, during those last 20 years. And those perfumes, although amazingly specific, take off. And you, is, it, is the brand 20 years old? 21. 21. Goodness me. Yeah, but think, but think, if you think about what you just said in the, in the pantheon of fragrance brands, and let's, I would say brands, period, yeah. so empowering uh, creators, right? Yeah. Empowering creators. We're in the creator-led world of YouTube and TikTok. And you yeah. you empowered creators 21 years ago to have at it, to take a canvas and that you were going to back them, uh, which is what Gucci has been doing for the last two or three years to, to, with yes. great success. You've been doing it for 21 years. There's That's a chicken. Yeah. And there's a chicken in the egg of of creating any product and indeed a fragrance, which, you know, for example, if Steve Jobs was sitting at this table talking to us right now, he'd say, look, I had to create something that the consumer didn't know they wanted yet. And it was in discovering it through us creating it that they bought it in droves. Um, is, uh, is there a parallel here, which is to say, don't always create something by focus group create things that are really genuinely coming from a passion place, a place of newness, of discovery, of, of ideation and incubation versus having to follow ad nauseam what's the drumbeat of consumer insights, which is really important on one level, but can maybe stifle innovation in the other. What, what, do, you, what do you say to that? I say to that that great luxury, luxury products especially perfumes, are very much like works of art. Each of them encapsulate the very hard work and probably the soul and talent of the people that have made them. There is this energy that comes from honesty that people are extremely sensitive to. And when you have those rehashed 300 times crowd pleasers that have made, been made by focus groups, people also feel that. And you can push it to their face and sort of force feed them uh, with them to a certain point. But eventually they will get bold. But another way of saying this is that I believe that, you know, perfumes are very much like people. Someone that wants to please everybody ultimately, you know, gets invited at a few college parties, but eventually is seen as a radiating bore. <laughs> ends up alone in his studio uh, because he's a pathetic bore and, and no one wants to see him or her. You know, yes, man, there's nothing worse. But people that have, you know, you were mentioning Steve Jobs, people that have real character uh, are the ones that people remember. Point of view. And that people get attached to. And, and perfumes are very much the same. If there is a soul whether you like it or you hate it, but the few people that will like it will love it mm. and will cling on to them forever because they see a part of themselves because there's also this idea of this projection happening. Mm. So it becomes very personal and it becomes, 
something that you can cling on to and be very proud of and it's and you have a sense of ownership whether something which is made by your focus group is not something that you can own it's something that's forced upon you and it becomes a convention I want to take a second to explain to you why Traub is able to bring you the safari. We pride ourselves in being at the very center of a very global, very complicated consumer and retail landscape. And in our travels, as we help think, manage and expand businesses in many different channels and geographies, we're able to meet and learn from some of the great minds in this industry. And it's really wonderful to be able to bring them to you. And in doing so, I hope that you, the listener, will be able to learn a little bit more about what we do at Traub as well. Back to the safari. So when speaking about the artist, and I would say even if you think about an, a writer, a very good writer of fiction, um, mm -hmm. has the ability to, ability to understand people and the poetry that will tug on their heartstrings. When you're designing a perfume, therefore, and with your colleagues and partners, yeah. um, what creates memory, because ultimately, uh, I think fragrance above all things evokes the most vivid memories of childhood or something good or good or bad. Yeah, it's also, I mean, the way you smell. Uh, perfume is hardly, no one knows that, but it's a geek thing. But in your brain, it's right there in the back, um, the, the part that sort of makes you understand what you're smelling is actually linked to memory directly. It's hooked in. So um, it's even well wired like this. Mm. And so when create when creating therefore uh, a, a a new fragrance, um, how is that link to memory being being cultivated? How do, how are you approaching it? Are you starting with the end consumer in mind? What do I want to evoke, or are you creating a de novo fragrance or scent that will be then part of that person's memory. How, how do you, what's the, I guess that's another chicken in the egg. Like what comes first in the creation of, of your wonderful chef d'oeuvres? So, so we, we work in the exact opposite order than any other companies, probably because I grew up professionally in a lab and probably because I speak the perfumer's language. So we speak in terms of raw material or in terms of perfume architecture. And so when I work with a perfumer, I mean, there are the odd cases when, you know, they come to me and say, Frédéric, I've been working on something. Do you want to have a go at it? And, and you know, either it's very close to being finished or they, they are in the middle of it and they sort of ask for my opinion and whether it's worth pursuing or do I have an idea to, you know, to improve it and so on, because I'm, I'm like a sounding board for them, for them. But when we work from scratch to answer your question, we, we talk about ingredients and masses, like a sculpture would talk about mm -hmm. his future work. And then words are replaced by first trials. I mean, you know, things like that. And then we, we decide uh, whether it's interesting or not. And then we refine it. Then you have variants like that. 
um, and you go. Yeah, to, just for those listening, you're showing me little uh, accoutrements, which are ways, visual representations of the fragrance. Yes. So we we go through hundreds of iterations to make it right. So we never think of a consumer. We never think of anyone at the beginning. We just think of a beautiful shape. We think of something that would would be we would be proud of, basically. Now, making a perfume takes months. And when we uh, work on them, the, the whole idea, the whole process is to make perfect the early sketch that we have made because it never is exactly perfect. But you don't want to lose the character and you want to stay very true to the idea. Otherwise, it becomes one of those nondescript boring things, which is supposedly faultless, but super boring. And so the idea is to really, it's a hard exercise and it goes through many iterations. Now, on the middle of that, because you want to keep the character, one of my way of, my tricks, one of my ways of staying online to stay the course, because that's really my job also, is to Mm -hmm. make sure that we stay on track, is I imagine on the way, and it comes automatically, who is going to wear it? I can see the character. I mean, having smelled, sold so many perfumes to so many people, I know that certain characters or or each perfume corresponds to a way of seducing. And we always, we are like seduction machines. We always want to seduce, but we all have our own recipe and our own ideal of ourselves. And so the perfumes that we choose to wear um, are very much in line with who we are. So you can do it in reverse when you know the business. And when I smell something, I can see you, Morty, or I can see Liz Taylor, or I can see anyone, whether it's someone I know or someone who is, uh, or someone I fantasize on, but they, all these people have a smell. And this is a way for me to stay on track. And this is also how I find the name at the end. And, and then it's interesting, it's fun to see if I'm right or not, because when the perfume is commercialized, uh, it's always interesting to see who ends up wearing it. And I must say, to be a bit <laughs> cocky, is that I'm, I'm often right. Yeah, oh, that's, that's so wonderful. Yeah, it's something you learn. But I, we never think, oh, Chinese market. Yeah. Um, let's make a rose. Yeah, you, you start with a, a white canvas and then as the canvas comes to life, a caricature of an individual or a persona starts to emerge and then it starts to be obvious to you, but it was not at the beginning. I think there's one thing to add to this is that my ultimate luxury is that I started this company because I created the system really. Mm-hmm. I started this company opening my own store with Grenelle and training people in that store to sell perfumes to individuals, not according to their own taste, not according to a bestseller 
or to, I don't know, selling the most expensive or whatnot or the latest. We sell in a very, very personalized way. We really try to tailor, to, to point out each individual towards a perfume that we think is right for him or her. Mm. Now, this sounds, you know, like a marketing thing. It's not. It's, it's, it, it's a very thorough, this is a method that I w- worked on. And uh, one of the reasons why I want that is not only, you know, if you create the right couple between a, f- a perfume and an individual, they are both going to shine. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one plus one becomes three. And then it becomes a fantastic advertising for us on top of it, but also someone who comes back to us. Yeah. But at the other end of the spectrum, it allows perfumers and I to be amazingly free because we know that in store, we mm. have people that are going to make very good use of, of specific perfumes. So because we have this very good service in our stores, this very personalized service, we can be free with perfumers. And so, and as a result, because I work with perfumers that are very different from one another, and because we have different fantasies somehow, Mm. um, and I push them to be themselves, we have now 30 perfumes that are extremely different from one another. So we cover every walks of life. So instead of trying to please everybody with, you know, it's like a, a one size fiddle underwear. I let you imagine what it it's like. Um, we have something specific for each kind of individual. And yeah. therefore that's why people come back to us. Well, it's, Even during it, the pandemic, we were selling amazingly well on the web yeah. because people just couldn't live without those, without those perfumes. Yeah. Well, you're looking at one of them. Um, so, but what's also interesting about it is that it is the hyper segmentation that you know, Chanel or Louis Vuitton have used with their different handbag names because Absolutely it's, right. Right? it's it's just being able to find a different bag for a different course or horses for courses, as it were. Yes, right? but, you know, Louis Vuitton, Hermès, they have their own stores and there is a reason why they can do that. If they were selling, you know, exclusively in a department store um, or even something less personal than that, they, they would not be able to to have this huge array of handbags and to, and to talk a little bit let's come down off mount olympus for just three minutes uh, down to to the business world because what i love about your business and indeed maybe uh, other fragrance businesses but in particular yours whereby uh, this 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 term from digital native land um which is been overused recently, but it's been around forever, which is the idea of um, lifetime value of the customer divided by the customer acquisition cost. And if someone is an enthusiast about a product, they not only stay with you for a very long time, so the very long lifetime value, but the customer acquisition cost is cut in half or in quarters or what have you, because they've told all their friends about the product or better, their friends have asked them, you smell wonderful. What is it you're wearing? So the ratio of L- uh, you know, LTV to CAC is through the roof, which is very hard to achieve. And so ultimately, you have a sticky customer and one that is marketing for you every day because people are smelling them all the time. It's kind of magic. It is. It is. And, and it was really the way this company was designed. It's 
because you know you leave a trail. We we on top of it, you know, because I'm old fashioned and I started, you know, working in perfumery in the '80s when perfume smelled and diffused and were long lasting. Uh, we give you know something for people's money and all our apart from old colony obviously, but um, all our scents last about eight hours, and. And you know, if you if you wear the right perfume for you, and you have this trail, you are gonna, you know, taxi cabs will stop you. Um, <laughs> everybody will stop you. And so and that's good for us. How, how would people you, don't keep their secrets to themselves, which they often do. No, well, there we go. Yes, they, they people don't want to be be copied. But um, so, how would you say? Let's let's not say the last twenty one years, but let's say in the last decade with the advent of of new marketing, right? Um, TikTok and YouTube and all the rest of it. How do you think that has affected the fragrance industry, if at all? H has it has it changed the way um, you guys think about going to market or is it the same as before? Two things. I think that Instagram especially has, and this, you know, the advent of, smartphones and people taking pictures of themselves all the time and trying to sort of glorify their look have focused a lot of people on imagery rather than scent. Mm -hmm. And, and so I suppose it has been quite good for makeup. Um, but somehow, and you can see that with the success that we have in China, Regardless of that, so there was this sort of wave which was just, you know, visual focused, focused on, 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 on visual. But I think people now really understand that, you know, they have to become even more individual and that there is an, another dimension and perfume is actually very strong everywhere. The other thing is that there was this say in marketing companies that you couldn't sell perfume on the internet. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was reading uh, Len Lauder's book the other day and, you know, this whole idea of sampling uh, that really, you know, it's the way they, sell, they, 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 they started selling do and the way they, they were making their, selling their creams um, is if you just apply those very old principles, And if you are a generous company and if you, you can absolutely reproduce the type of um, almost of experience on a web, on web than you, than you do on um, uh, in a store. And I think that we have understood in the last few years that we can be, and, and we still have a, 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 a few things to, to improve on at that level. But I think that uh, the online experience can be almost as rich as walking into a store. It's, it's dealing with time in a slightly different way. But I think that people today only buy stuff that they have sampled, whether it's creams or a car or um, a perfume, of course. And also you need to have a very personalized service. And this is something that 
can absolutely be done online. So I think that we have to, we have to, we were, I mean, there was this thing that, you know, it couldn't be done, but I think that with the proper thinking and the proper work, um, perfume is going to be very, very present online. It doesn't have to spring out of your computer. That's absurd. You know, it reminds me, we, we are a little bit at a time of pre-electric cars. Everybody was, all the brands, uh, the car the car industry, were saying, oh, let's wait for a very light battery um, that can encapsulate a lot of power uh, to come out, and then we'll make an electric car. And they kept on making cars, that, you know, regular cars. And then all of a sudden, you know, Tesla decided to have a very heavy battery because it already existed. Um, and, you know, a battery that was, I mean, the whole, that, the whole, having the whole powertrain, more or less the same weight as a regular car. Mm-hmm. And in fact, it was right in front of them. They just didn't want to do it. It was hidden in plain sight. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, you know, the same thing happened 20 years ago when I put the perfumers in the open eyes. I mean, no one wanted to do it. And then, I mean, to the, at, I never understood why, to be honest. Even when I was, uh, just before launching the company, I thought like, maybe there's something hidden that I did not understand. Why is no one doing it? Because they are so interesting. Now, selling perfume on the web is more or less the same thing. I think that for the longest time, we have been thinking, oh, it's impossible. And we have to wait until it's better. And until a computer can sort of, you know, throw perfume at your face. But in fact, no, there, there is absolutely a way to do it. Yeah, there's a, what's a wonderful replenishment tool too. But just to have, go back to what you were saying earlier, you know, you not only invented a new way of delivering product to, to or, or, or sense to the consumer with your wonderful talent roster next to you, but in so doing, launched a whole category because ultimately every single large luxury player in this field, especially the luxury brands, have now a large range of beautiful fragrances that they created in, I would say, in your image um, with price points that are double or triple the average price point of any other fragrance they'd put out before. So do you think that ultimately the, the let's call it, mastige consumer who buys the historical product will end up just graduating to your world? Because ultimately you might be able to take over, the, I call it the airport business, but you know what I mean? The The... the the general uh, mastige fragrance business. I think it's uh, it's funny because I saw that twenty years ago, and I still stick to my guns. I think that this mastige business is going to replace the old mass market business that goes from uh, body sprays to those cheaper perfumes that you find mm-hmm. at Walmart. Yeah, and. Basically, they are ve- they are made in a very similar way. Uh, those mastige perfumes they are they are crowd pleasers. They are as cheap as possible, um, and and they use the same recipes. So there will always be a crowd for this, for many reasons. Um, price, of course, because they are also selling small sizes, um, and and culture, because as you know, Malty, I mean. The, there is purchasing power, but there's also culture. And not everybody has access intellectually 
to something which is not a celebrity perfume mm -hmm. and is not really interested. But for more educated people and wealthier people, I think they are absolutely going to graduate to this category, which we were, which it's true we initiated very mm -hmm. modestly. Yeah. Um, See, I'm allowed yeah. to say it. It's okay. That's great. Now, now, listen. You uh, just to, as we come to the to the uh, terminus, I I'd love to just talk about experience because I'm a big lover of the retail a of retail. Right. Obviously, yeah. part of my training was was there, um, and I also feel that used properly, it is one of the most wonderful ways to. Um, educate and to please and to delight a consumer and when retail is used in that way as opposed to just a distribution uh, channel uh, it is incredibly yeah. powerful now you did retail from the beginning you also I think at one point uh, maybe you still do have these um, chambers where one could smell and then you created new products like the mechanical flowers which put home fragrance out there um, you have rubber uh, products. I uh, see. I, I know all of them. Uh, rubber products, which you which you can put in the car to make your car or a small space uh, a small space smell nice. Um, what innovation is coming down the pike? What are you excited about? What can you give us a little sneak peek under the hood as to what you hope to develop over the next period? And and it might not be a sneak peek. It might just be you know optimism about the future. Well, there there is something that we did for China actually. Is that we have. To redesign our sort of new store concept, we have really gone back to Rue de Grenelle, interestingly enough. And we didn't in, try in to go back to, to, yeah, to the original store. And where we have the smelling um, uh, columns, uh, we had seven Rue de Grenelle, then we had a bit, for instance, at Barney's, we had four, and, and you can fill them with different perfumes. Now we have thinner ones, very well designed, not by me this time, uh, so I can't say that. And they sort of sample each perfume, and it's a, it, it's like a wall of perfume, and it's very beautiful. I think that people will walk out of their homes to buy a perfume as if they were going to a destination, if they are entertained, if they meet expertise, if it's a fun and interesting moment for them. Otherwise, why not buy on a computer. And so I fully agree with you that the future is, is very much in retail, but retail done properly, written done with love, retail done with very well-trained staff. And so that's what we, we're trying to do. As for sneak peeks, we are, um, you know, we are, you talked about floor mechanic, talked about car things. We are, working very hard on, on new things for the home, actually, at the moment. And um, I have, I mean, we're on the radio, so I can't show you, but, you know, <laughs> as you know, there are plenty of little bottles in front of me. The great things about my business is that, you know, I can have all these bottles and not uh, not tell any secrets because they all look the same, but they all smell <laughs> different. <laughs> That's the fun of it. Yeah, Frederick Mal tells no secrets. There we go. Uh, Frederick, it is such a joy. To, I could spend another hour talking to you on, on this. So thank you very much for joining me on the safari. Thanks for having me, Morty. It was fun. Yeah, and what's, Always nice to see you, as you know. <laughs> Likewise. Thank you so much, Frederick.
you want to learn a little bit more about Traub, you can go to traub.io, where you'll learn a lot about everything that we do. If you're enjoying the safari, please do share it with your friends and colleagues within the industry. And please also don't forget to subscribe and like it. Until next time.